Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. All right, joining us now, it still sounds weird for us to say. I'm curious to know if it's uh, settled in for him. D-line coach at BYU, Sione Buha, kind enough to join us. Sione, how are you? Hey, coach. Good. I, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. I'm, is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it feeling weird to wear blue, or is it settled in? You got used to it now. Not at all, man. It's settled in. I'm here, man. Ten toes to the ground, and uh, we're, we're happy to be here, man. And when I say we, me and my family, and so we're, we're, we're happy to be here. Well. Coach, I got to imagine that Coach Sataki and, and that crew is excited to have you there as well. So when you pull up in Provo and you head up to those coaches' offices, what was the first thing you sat down and thought, all right, let's start here? Where was your first starting area? You know, it's just, it started really, really the first step. You know, uh, we, when, we, when we first came to campus, I, I didn't know where anything was, right? I, I'd never really, I'd, I'd never been to campus before. I didn't know where any of the buildings were. Um, but as soon as my wife and I got here, we obviously knew that the change of color. Uh, and, and as we got here and walked in and went up through the steps, you know, one of the most unique things is when we walked through the doors, um, all we heard was, hey, is, is, is that our guys? Is, is our group here? Is our team here? And I knew they were referring to, to the Boha family. And so when we walked in and I heard that, man, it was it was all ten toes down, and we were excited to be here, man. So it didn't take much, you know, as you get in here and feel the energy, the excitement, uh, and especially the, the the energy and vibes that come from the staff and coaches, man. It's been so welcoming, not only ending with the fan, uh, with the with the coaches and the staff, but also within the fans that we've come uh, in contact with. We got on a plane following week, seen some people on the terminal, and they just greeted us. And man, it's been a warm and welcoming. Um, greeting that we received since we've been here and we love it man so when you stepped away from coaching for a bit after your run with the university of utah did you have a strong desire to get back into it or was it byu and kalani and jay hill that got you fired up to get back into the game (laughs) i wouldn't say i had a strong desire i think i at that moment i had a strong desire to be able to to balance up time that I needed to spend with family. And it just seemed like it was a year ago this time we were talking on the same radio station. Yeah. Um, but spending time with my family, my son uh, went on a mission. I got to spend NTC time with him in the summer. Uh, I had time with my daughters. My other son's senior year at Bingham High School was able to attend all those games. 
So those things that I was expecting from the last move had happened, and I felt like I fulfilled those. Now, was I chomping at the bit to be able to get back to coaching? I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I was looking at the, uh, the, the coach's board, you know, all the time, but at the same time, I never closed that door. That made sense, right? There's yeah. you know, that door had always been open. It wasn't a closed chapter in my life. It was something that I always kept open when the opportunity presented itself. And, uh, you know, we've been blessed that, that this one has come our way. Coach, I'm so fascinated about college coaching because there's so many different facets to it, difficulties to it, that always leave me questioning, could I do it? Like, if I, if I really needed to or wanted to, could I do it? And the two things that really scare me away is, number one, the time commitment. It's, it's complete insanity. And then, number two, the pressure. What's more difficult? Is it the time commitment, the work level, or is it the pressure that you deal with as a coach at the college level? Well, you know, every every profession and career, you know, has its pressures. Every everyone, uh, every career and profession has its demands. They have its stresses, right? Now, is, is it your? Do you have the ability to be able to take that on? And is it worth it for you? Do you, do you look at? Do you look at it more as a challenge and something that you can thrive off of? more than something like a, like a task or something that I got to do. I'm sure the stresses of being a, 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 neuro, a surgeon, a heart surgeon is really stressful. I mean, something I, I couldn't take, the pressure I couldn't take. But I think, you know, those who, who are in that profession, they, that's something that they thrive in. They, you know, they look and seek for those things. So I think it's the same thing with football and coaching, right? There's, there's a lot of demands. There's a lot of uh, time commitment, a lot of commitments overall other than just time to really do it. But is that something that you can thrive in, in doing? So I think every profession and career has them. It's just your ability to say, yeah, this is my frequency. This is the type of challenge. Uh, these are the type of stresses that, that I love to manage and to be able to conquer and, and, and come out successful in. Sione, I got. I'm not gonna lie. You just bummed me out a little bit because uh, I, I when I started doing radio, it was around that 03, <laughs> 04 team, and and now you're talking about a kid on a mission and a kid being a senior, and it's like, oh my gosh, where did the time go? Does, <laughs> does does 04 really feel like almost 20 years ago? You know what? You know what? When you see the film and know that there there, there wasn't any like MP4s around the days. When you know that was shot on, on VHS and there's those little <laughs> tracking signs, you know, that gets a little disappointing for sure. Uh, but one of the great things is that you always take lessons from those times. Uh, you know, I'm definitely the person that I am today just because of that phase and the lessons that came along with it. But, yes, you definitely do feel age when you you don't notice it as much until you pull up the film and put it side by side with other teams and, and notice that, you know, our players say, Coach, why are those squiggly lines on there? Like, hey, <laughs> back in the day, we used to have this thing called tracking, man. You guys don't know anything about it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, when you do watch the film, you do feel that. So, Coach, you get into the meeting rooms – you open up the roster, you start going through the names, the sizes, the schools, where they came from. How many guys in that defensive tackle room specifically, uh, I guess you could go full D-line, go full D-line. How many guys were you yep. familiar with? How many guys had you seen, maybe recruited a couple years ago? And what was your overall thoughts of them and the talent that you stepped into? Man, you know, I wasn't familiar with any of the players. Um, you know, I, I, I had... Uh, been kind of just involved with with my family and, and and wasn't really watching BYU football at the time, so I wasn't really familiar with any of them. And so that was the number one goal for me 
was to be able to connect with these guys, uh, connect them with them on every single. I know they probably heard of me, and I probably, if, you know, I've probably looked through the program and, and heard of them. But you know, that was the number one goal for me coming in here was to be able to connect with these guys, and not really just on a superficial, professional level, but really get to know what makes them tick, what they believe in, because that's how the, the chemistry and the relationship would really start for me. So I did not know uh, any of the players before. There were some people that that we that I did recruit. Um, while being being up at Utah, you know Max Tooley, uh, uh, you know those those are the guys that, that I knew. I have a couple of nephews here, uh, Ace Kafusi. Um, there's uh, Isaiah Moa. Uh, you know, obviously the Kafusi family is my wife's family. So um, I mean, there was just a lot of familiar faces uh, within the whole program. But specifically for my group, I, I didn't I didn't know too many of them uh, until I until I got here. So you look at the evaluation, and I know you just barely started spring, but kind of give us your thoughts on what you have and what the cupboards look like on that D-line for BYU. Yeah, you know, for us, it's really just developing the culture and then uh, really having the culture emphasize the type of style that we need to play, right? That type of aggression that we need to play, but still be poised in in our skill level. We have an opportunity, like we had day two of spring ball. What's really... um, you know, obviously, we're, this is a building process, and we're at the very beginning. But it's really uh, satisfying and pleasing to see that these guys are just willing to take in what it takes to be able to build a defense that we need to build. So that eagerness, that willingness from them—I mean, what more can a coach ask for? Um, and so, with with seeing that, I reciprocate that with just doing my best to to create the best culture in our room to be able to. Uh, create the best drills that'll sharpen their skills and do that over and over and over again and continue to build what we know we can build here. So coaches, you're sitting in the room now with the guys that you have. Give me a couple of the leaders that in, in so far through spring ball. And I know you've got returning missionaries and you've got some other things that'll happen between now and fall, but who are a couple of the leaders, the guys that you feel like you can lean on in that interior line crew right now? Yeah, you know, when you think about leaders, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to define leaders. When we look about leaders in, in our room, it's really leaders are defined as who can take care of their who can take care of their parameters, who who can farm their farm the best, right? And uh, there's a lot of guys who've been able to do that. Nice Amaya has been one of those guys that says, okay, what do I need to fix in my farm? Uh, what do I need to get right? And, you know, what can I add more to my farm? John Nelson, uh, he's one of those guys. But every single one of those players in those rooms has done their part to take care of their farm. And that's one of the, the most promising things is, is guys in there and saying, hey, this is my 20 square feet. I'm going to do what I can to take care of it. Uh, you know, Jackson Cravens in the mix. Uh, just guys getting really good at their craft. Uh, and so those are just a few names. Uh, but again, everybody in their own way is contributing to building their best selves with their little 20 score feet that they got. So everybody in their own right has been a leader, but those are the ones where you can say, okay, man, this guy's making some strides. This, this person's really doing their job. They're setting an exemplary uh, example of how to take care of your 20 square feet, how to take care of what belongs to me. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
obviously a lot of high-powered crazy offenses in that Big 12. Uh, just what is, I mean, is there early preparation, early looking ahead at film? I mean, what's what's kind of the mindset right now in you know mid-March as you look ahead to the Big 12? Right. You know, you know, the best thing that we take as we, as we, you know, got a few more months until the season starts, you know, is, is to be established who we are and what our, or what our identity is and be really good at that, right? Who we are, what we do and how we do it. And so as we go there and have this uh, great time during spring ball to be able to practice that, to be able to do that over and over and over, then we can, we could take a team that we'd be proud of into the season. Now, when it comes to knowing our opponents, we everybody's familiar with each other just because of the coaching crossing paths. We've either uh, played against each other, played against an opponent of someone of the uh, in the Big Twelve, and so we're familiar with them. We haven't really gotten into that phase yet. We're more of like, hey, let's continue to sharpen who we are. Let's start to buff what our image and what our character and what our our culture is here. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. So I used to say, when you were at the University of Utah coaching, I used to say, Doug Alessia makes Coach Pua look really good because he gets, <laughs> he gets his guys ready. You know, he's putting on the meat. He's getting them out there strong. He's got the quick feet. Uh, as you come in, and because I've seen some videos of you in the strength and conditioning room doing some squat work with the guys and, and cheering guys on and, and really starting to help with the momentum of the program, how, how is the strength and conditioning room coming along? Because there was a change made there, whether BYU fans know it or not. There was a big change made there. How do you feel like it's coming along? Well, you know, everything that the, the changes that take place, you know, Kalani and, 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 and the administration, what they're trying to do is really just to get us to that level that we can be able to take a product that be good into the, into the fall. And so as you guys kind of seen on the videos and stuff, those are just a byproduct of what's going on and, 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 and the process that we're in. Those changes were just to help us to try to elevate ourselves to, to something that we can all be proud of when it comes, um, when it comes to the fall season. So our guys have been in there working really hard. Um, they're, they're trying to lift everything, right, and they're trying to lift it as fast as they can, and that's, that's what we want. You know, our, part of our culture here on the defensive line is to be really tough, to be physical and skilled. And so being physical, you know, the weight room has a big part to do with, with being really physical. And so getting our guys as strong and as powerful, explosive as possible. But it just, it just doesn't end uh, in the weight room, right? Recovery is part of that. So we've got our nutrition team. I mean, those guys are making sure that those guys are getting feel that as much as they beat up their bodies, the recovery is just as important. So, you know, you got the weight room, you got the nutritionist, uh, you got the um, the training room doing their deal, and you got guys doing their individual things and and helping them supplement their training with how to recover with their bodies, just so we can maximize all the work that they're putting in there. So it's it's a whole room effort, it's a whole building effort to get these guys to to, to be at their best. So I think a lot of people look at spring ball and think, okay, these are practices and development. But how important is spring? To determining for you as coaches, to determining depth charts and and essentially kind of the pecking order going into fall. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a time for us to be able to get our hands on our guys because you know they've been lifting and they've been running right. Here's the really important part where we get to 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 put the skill behind all the the strength and conditioning they've been doing right now. Now they've been now they're they're, they're kind of like the solid iron, and now as they come in, we're kind of pounding on the iron, sharpening it to make it really a sharp blade. So it really gives us a chance now. 
to a lot of players, um, you know, it, it differs, right? Some players, okay, let's let's continue to sharpen them up. Someone is, hey, let's let's kind of get these guys started. So everybody's at different phases, whether a newcomer or new to the system or new to the school or even a freshman, right? You would you'd imagine that their progression is a little bit different than from older guys who are like, hey, let's get this down. I know what I'm doing, and so everybody's at their different growth phases depending on wherever they're at and how much experience that they've had. And as coaches, spring ball provides this opportunity to be able to tap into every single one of those phases, right? Whether I got a return missionary that he, he, he needs to learn how to, uh, you know, shoot the gap, or I, I've got a senior who I'm trying to help perfect his craft when it comes to taking on combination blocks. So there's a lot of different guys and, and, and all of the coaches are tuned into what phase is this player in and then, in each of those phases, our job is to get them to the next phase, right? To get them to step up, to get them to be to, to, to that next level of where they need to get in their progression. And some guys go from, you know, on a scale of one to five, some guys go from a level one to a level four, some go to one to two, but the progress is, uh, is what we want in terms of the spring. And, and we're trying to take guys from where they're at now to the highest level that we can by the end of spring ball. And I, and I feel if we can do that, that's, uh, that's what spring ball is built for. Last thing for me, Coach. So as a former BYU player sitting on air, I would talk about your defensive lines and I'd break down your coaching style and I'd praise you and I'd praise Coach Whittingham for the, the success that you were guys are having. And, and I would get attacked by BYU fans saying, oh, you're a Utah lover. You've left your school. And it was and it, it's always hard, but I always try to be fair in what I in in my observations. I'm just curious where you are, who you are with the University of Utah, and you flip over to BYU. How has the reception been? Has it been difficult or a little bit easier than you thought? No, it's it's been awesome. It has not been – there hasn't been a wind of difficulty. I've actually felt, uh, you know, some backwind. I mean, you know, the welcome – the welcoming for me and my family have, have been so awesome for myself – it's been it's 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 more than I ever uh, expected. You know, I thought, hey, I was going to come in here and I'll try to earn my way, you know, earn my earn my trust and kind of earn my keep. Um, you know, being being here at BYU, but that has not been the case. And because of that, it's made me more excited. It's it's made me more um, you know pumped up to do what I got to do here. Um, yeah, there hasn't been any type of resistance or I mean, it's it's been like the best w- welcoming party. Um, you know, anyone could ask for considering the situation and conditions, and we we have felt nothing but just just welcoming hands from administrator, from 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 the staff, from from coaches, obviously from the fans, and man, you know, you know, when you got that, man, you, you like. You, you, there's no other thing that you want to do but give your best and mm-hmm. pledge your best. Um, I remember when I first got the, you know, got the job and and as, uh, as you know, phone calls started coming around, I started to have uh, alumni BYU guys, you know, hit me up. Hey, congratulations! And you know, whether it be uh, Sean Nua. Uh, from just old, you know, just other players, and, and they would write and say, "Hey, you know, congratulations." And I made it real, I made it real clear to them, and 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 I said, "Hey, you know what? I pledge, dude. I'm gonna give. I, I know that's your alma mater, and that's where I'm at now, and, and I'm a I'm a BYU guy. But you know, I pledge to those guys. I give them all I got. I said, I'm gonna give you the best I got. Like I'm gonna give you everything I got. And so for me, it, it was it was an honor to be a part of it, but it's a it's also an honor to be in it. If that makes sense. Uh, and so I, I pledge to those guys, and again, no resistance or anything. It's been such an awesome welcome to be here, and uh, you, like I said, we, we love it here. Well, Coach, look forward to more of these conversations. This is a lot of fun. Uh, good luck during spring, and uh, can't wait to get the season started here in a few months. Happy for you, Coach. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, too.
You got it. There's the man himself, Sione uh, Boha, kind enough to join us right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.